support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Kyle Photography Podcast. mentioned before we started the podcast you're the reason that i actually took the plunge and finally shot uh, some portrait and um, for portraits but before we get into the fact that you forced me so viciously to to part with my money to buy portrait let's get a start with how you got into photography what was it that made you pick up a camera for the first time yeah so first time i ever sort of really got into photography it was I was heading on a trip to Japan and um, I went twice the two years beforehand uh, to go snowboarding. And every time I just, my friend had like a really shitty little um, sort of point and shoot digital camera. And I really liked the photos that I was getting out of that because it was about 2015 and my iPhone was terrible. So I was just taking bad photos. And then I just kept seeing people on Instagram doing cool stuff. And I just decided before I go to Japan, um, Japan, I'll just buy a camera and then. From then on, it's just sort of been a deep dive and cost me a bunch of money and fallen in <laughs> love with it. And so obviously that's quite recent. What's the push for you to shoot film? Um, when I was doing it, I bought just like a really cheap entry-level um, DSLR. And I just kept watching, um, this was probably back in 2016, I was watching a few sort of old digital rev TV videos and they were talking about film and doing stuff. And I just decided to have a look in... Um, asked my dad if he had an old film camera and he did. And I grabbed one and just shot a roll of film and it was absolutely terrible, but <laughs> I still really liked the results. So it was just like this underexposed, it turned out really bad. Um, but I thought it was really cool. So from there, I then bought a camera off eBay and then, yeah, just slowly but surely just kept buying cameras and shooting film and doing more and more with it. And then to the point now where I pretty much have all my digital camera stuff and I barely use it because all I try to do is shoot film. So it was mainly just seeing other people do it on YouTube and stuff like that. So is it the process or the end result that sort of matters more when it comes to shooting film for you? I think for me, I prefer using a film camera in the sense of the way you shoot with a film camera. Like whenever I have my, I got a Sony a7 III and whenever I use it, I don't really like the actual like the feel of the camera when I'm taking photos or through the viewfinder or anything like that. Whereas when I go out with a camera and it's got a rangefinder, there's something really nice about looking through it. Or even with the old SLRs, they were nice. But whenever you look at digital SLRs, they were so ugly and big and the lenses were massive. It was just a hassle to take it out. So I think it's more actually the camera that I have and being able to go out with it and like the way that I use it and that sort of process more than you know, the process of, oh, it takes time to get the film back and stuff. If I could get the film back, like immediately I would. I always like to rush okay. through that. Um, and then just the colors and the process and the, like, the way that the images turn out, I really like that. And I, I hate editing. So it's a lot easier on that end as well. Do you know what? I was actually saying the same thing uh, on my last podcast about one of my motivations for picking up a film camera. And, and obviously lockdown has motivated me to do a lot of stuff because we're all bored out of our minds. But um, I, I 
I'm so sick of the ever-changing standards of retouching. And um, in a lot of cases, I really just don't like any retouching trends that are happening probably in the last five years. So um, one of the great things about film is that it kind of removes a lot of that problem for me. So I completely agree. Let's talk about um, let's talk about portraiture for a second. What is it that motivates you to shoot portraits? I don't know. It's just kind of like I always found it was easier to get a really good result from a portrait than it is to go and like hunt for a really good sort of documentation or documentary photo or landscape or something like that around. So I thought it was like a good, easy way to get nice photos that I enjoyed. And the other thing I really like about it is I love meeting people and talking. So it's like a good, fun way for me to get out and meet people and have fun. So it's more like, I don't know, it's just, you can walk around for hours and never really see a photo that you like. Whereas if you go on a portrait session, I find that you can get, you know, a few photos that are good, solid portraits straight off the bat. And then you can experiment, you can do weird things, you can try different poses and all this different stuff. It gives you a sort of a really good way to get photos that you sort of, that I find interesting and stuff like that for me. So what was your first portrait shoot like? I don't know. Well, I don't really, with my portrait shoots, it's more like, they're not like a portrait shoot, portrait shoot where someone reaches out and they go, oh, how much for portraits and blah, blah, blah. It's normally I bump into someone or I know someone. So most of my portraits that I actually have on my Instagram and stuff are just friends and people that I actually know. So um, a lot of the time, it's just like I'm out with friends and I'm like, oh, hey, can we take some photos? I want to finish some film. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. So I'd sit them down and I go, oh, let's try this and let's do that. And then it's just out with friends having sort of fun and doing that sort of stuff. So you're not often photographing people that are used to being in front of a camera or, are, or do they actually do that separately from, you know, is, is modeling their thing? So a lot, of, yeah, a lot of the people, a couple of them are freelance models and they do modeling on the side, but I've never really shot with like a, I've only ever done it once or twice, but like model models, like who work, like make a living off modeling and stuff like that. So it's really different working with that. I've, I worked with one guy and it was just like he threw out a pose every second. Every time the shutter clicked, it was just different pose, different thing. And then with all the people that I work with, they're just like people who like to be creative and like to like do fun things and creative stuff. So we just go out and we go, all right, let's have a look at some different shoots. Let's make a mood board. Let's see what you like. And then from there, we work and go, all right, let's try this pose. And I do a lot of directing and telling them how to pose and like what to do and different things like that. So it is kind of like a lot of people that don't really know how to model or don't do much modeling at all. I did kind of jump in there. I apologize. Um, going back to your That's first shoot, how was it? Um, good. I think, yeah, because when it's with friends and stuff, it's really easy. Like a lot of the time, you know, if the results come back good or bad, no one really cares. It's just a fun thing. So it wasn't like a super stressful, it's not like a wedding. Whereas if you're like, oh, I, I made a few mistakes, haha, you know, that's like right. super stressful and bad. So with friends and stuff like that, it's super cruisy. I can just do whatever I go. All right, sit here. We'll try this. And that's one of the things I like to do is I do a lot of stuff with people and we just try a lot of really weird sort of poses and different things and playing with mirrors and doing all sorts of stuff like that to try and do different and interesting, more editorial style shoots. But then it's a bit of a pain when you've got no stylist, no like makeup or anything. It's just you and the person and they've never really done any modeling or anything. So, but it all seems to work out pretty well in the end. 
Well, you're, you're producing some fantastic work, especially I, I wouldn't have guessed that, you know, you weren't always working with people that are used to being in front of a camera. So what's your secret to getting people comfortable in front of your camera? I do it all sort of mainly nowadays um, with the Pentax 6, 7. So it's like, I just talk to them about film and then, you know, I load up the camera, they see me load it and we just talk and chat. And then um, a lot of what I do is, or what we like to do is we save a bunch of posts and um, different things of like, like a mood board, I guess. And then um, we'll refer to that and go, okay, so what do we like? What, what's this? And then we'll sit down. And then a lot of the time I end up sort of doing the poses with them as well. Like I, I'll sit there and I'll go, put your hand here like this and show them by doing it myself. Cause I just kind of find that, sort of tactile seeing what someone else is doing helps um, them to see it. So mm-hmm. yeah, just talking, chatting, just being super cruisy and then just taking our time. You know, we're never in a rush. We're never like, we got to get 50 photos by this with this many outfits. It's like, oh, let's see what happens and, and just take it super cruisy. And then everyone kind of gets pretty comfortable. You just, it works out pretty well. What's your idea of like a really good portrait subject in terms of, um, their sort of attitude and and like you mentioned earlier, someone that's really quick fire posy being a little bit off putting. What's the, what's the perfect sort of portrait subject for you? Um, for me, it's just someone who wants to try interesting things. I think if someone's sitting there going, "Oh, I don't," they, if they're worried about if they look goofy or if something doesn't quite work out, I find that's a bit harder because then they're more worried, like trying, to, and it makes it a bit more stiff. Whereas sometimes I'll just go, "Oh, do this," and we'll take the photo, and then get them back. You're like, "Oh, it looks terrible," but when you do all these weird poses every now and again, you get something that sometimes works out, try different things. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just easier when they're really cruisy and just, I can take my time, especially with the Pentax. Cause it's like with the mini format film, you don't want to rush through everything. Like you could, if you wanted to, but it's nice to take time, have a look, take a light meter reading, see what's going on, look at the background. And so as long as they're willing to try sort of, interesting things or they're not too worried about if they look silly doing it, then I think it works out pretty well. And that's sort of something that I like in a subject. And your um, website is broken down into uh, a few different genres. I think it's like people, places, parties, and I feel like there's another P and I'm forgetting it. Yeah, it's products. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was that was going to bug me otherwise. Uh, obviously, you're a big fan of alliteration, but that aside... Do you find that your skill set can translate between those genres like quite evenly and quite simply, or do you have to be a different photographer for each one of those genres? I think it's pretty like works out pretty even. Like for a, a lot of it is just on the website for work things, but it's mainly the places and people that I like. Um, and you know, I think that's one of the things that I find combine really well together. Whenever I do a portrait shoot, it's never like oh, let's just go here and take portraits. It's like, all right, let's look up somewhere and then we'll drive an hour or something and be in the middle of nowhere. And while I'm there, I'll take some other photos and bits and pieces like that. So I like going to interesting places and trying to incorporate that sort of um, environmental portraiture sort of stuff. So I I enjoy that a lot. And then it's sort of... I think it makes for a more whole image. Like when you get a really clean, nice portrait, it looks really good. But for me, I really like seeing a really nice environmental portrait or when there's a bit of something else going on in the around them and there's other things and you know for me i like to go out and go to different places and just explore and do that kind of stuff so i feel like i don't really have to be a different photographer for each one i mean i'll shoot with like a lot of vastly different settings when i do that like i love to shoot f11 for a lot of my stuff where it's 
um, landscapey sort of or pictures of houses or other stuff like that. Um, and then I'll always shoot just like wide open for portraits, which is a bit of a bad habit that I have. But yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, I think one of the hardest skills with portraits is to contextualize the subject and to put them put them into um, some kind of context for the viewer to see more of a narrative about them than just here's what the person looks like. I think that's that's quite often lost with people that do portraiture. When it comes to shooting places, one thing I really struggle with is is finding like a different composition than what the obvious thing would be when you walk into a scene. So I think that's one of your biggest strengths is just that ability to kind of find alternative compositions than what I would have gone for as my as my main shot. Where did you learn sort of your landscape or your location shooting? Um, really just everything I've learned has all been sort of YouTube, Instagram or anything like that. So I think just looking at what a lot of other people do um, in terms of seeing a lot of other people's works. Like lately I've been trying to get into photo books to try and learn because I feel like I have no idea what makes me choose to take a photo. Like I don't understand I understand composition, but I never think about it when I go to take a photo. I don't sit there and go, well, this composition and these things, I just look at something and go, well, that's kind of interesting. Or oh, I like the light there. And then I'll just try to hone in on that or do a different, like try to find some way to take a photo of what it is that interests me. But I find a lot of the time I get some really bad photos, but I think I'm <laughs> not afraid to just shoot lots of sort of photos of a similar scene. Um, and just get a few different things from the same spot to try and get one shot or one thing that I like. Are you someone that kind of sort of pre-scouts something or goes in with a very strong pre-visualized idea, a lot of planning going into it, or are you just reading whatever you're seeing at the time? Yeah, I just read whatever I see. I just go somewhere. I wouldn't have even looked at, you know, you know how you can look at Instagram, like location tags, won't look at that. I'll just go, oh, yeah, that looks kind of nice and go down there and just start doing photos or doing stuff. And I find myself a lot of the time, though, driving past things that I really like and going, oh, damn it, I wish I could stop there and take a photo of that or I'll stop back there or come back later. And I just never do for like months or years or whatever. But it's um, most of the time, I just walk around or go to a place and go, this might be interesting and see what pops up. And if something good pops up, I'll take a photo of it. And then well, the, a lot of the time I like looking these days at light. If I see the light in a way that I really like, I'll try to get around that in that area. That sort of, sort of is what's leading me to a lot of different photos these days. Um, so I'm going to try and remember this so I get this right. Uh, so it's people, places, parties and products. Which one do you sort mm -hmm. of actually prefer doing in terms of the shooting part? Um, I hate parties these days because that's all like event photography and digital work stuff and I don't really enjoy that. Um, so it's pretty much just people is sort of my favorite to actually shoot. It's, it's good fun to plan out the shoot and then meet the person, talk to them, catch up. A lot of the times it's the same people that I'm friends with and go, oh, hey, like good to catch up with people and see what they've been up to. And then it's just like a good fun way for me to get out with the camera and do stuff. So I think yeah, people and places are the two fun ones. And then products and parties are just boring work stuff that I don't really enjoy that much. If it's okay to talk about film for a bit, how do you know when you're in a, like a color environment or a black and white environment? What makes you pick one or the other? If it's really sort of overcast or really quite like muted, not very nice light, um, a lot of the times I'll try to get a black and white. Um, but for the longest time, it was pretty much all color 
because for me, like getting everything done at a lab, um, color was so much cheaper than black and white. And um, that was like a big driving factor for me was just, it was so much cheaper to just get the color. So I just go out and shoot color all the time. But I'm, I'm a, not a huge fan of just necessarily compositions. I really like light and sort of the way that it works. And for me, the best way I, or the way that I like to see that is with color, like really nice, nice light colors and sunset and the way that the light works um, towards the end of the day. And that's a lot of the time when I go out and shoot. So for me, it just, if it's, you know, late in the day color, um, if it's really overcast and sort of not that much light going on, I'll try some black and white or do that. So, but I know it might change. It's just sort of whatever film I've got in the fridge generally you know, from running low on something or I've done a big shoot, then if something's like colors missing, then I'll shoot some black and white or yeah. And you know, I think we've already kind of covered the ground, but what for you, especially I'm talking in the process, not so much the end result, but what's the benefit of shooting film? Because obviously if you, if you look at shooting film from the outside, especially as a lot of people now start photography with digital, you're so much more limited with film in terms of, you know, you're limited in, in the number of shots, you're limited in the ISO. There's no movement on the ISO. You're limited in the sense of you can't switch between film stock. So what is it that the benefit for you um, in terms of shooting film? I think it makes you think like if I have my Sony out and I go to take photos, I'll generally have a zoom lens and you know, you can do anything and everything within with that camera within that shot. Um, but when you have the film, it kind of makes you really think about it. Like for me, I'll go, how do I want to shoot this? If I want to shoot at F11 with the Pentax late at night or like, late in the afternoon when the sun's going down, I won't have enough light. So it's like, do I need to bring a tripod? Do I need to do this? Do I need my shutter release cable? So I think it just sort of makes you think about the shots and the way you go about it sort of a lot more. Plus like you just shoot so many photos with digital. When I go out with a digital camera, it's like, I'll come back from a, you know, a walk and I'll have like a hundred photos. I'm like, Oh great. Now I've got to go through a hundred photos and do this. Whereas with the film, if it's 35 millimeter, you're limited to your 36. So it kind of makes you think and just, Take that second to look at the scene before you take the photo. Like even if you do that with a digital, I find I still take multiple photos anyway because I go, oh, might as well just have it in case one's better than the other. And so I think that sort of lack of like being actually confined by settings and different things like that makes you shoot a lot more and not necessarily think at all about it. And so for me, I just... I don't think when I have the digital camera and when I have the film, I actually think and I sort of try to go out and make the photos a little bit better. Do you feel like, obviously, with the the multiple genres that you shoot, do you feel like developing photographers should shoot a lot of uh, varied genres? So would that help their skill set or do you think um, sort of focusing in on one thing would actually help more? I think when you're starting out, it's really good to just try a bunch of different things. Like you might not even know that you like doing something until you try it. Like when I started taking photos, it was all uh, sort of landscapey style things. I was like, I didn't really like taking photos of people or with people. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. That's, you know, the idea of being out in the street, taking photos or doing a portrait shoot kind of felt weird to me. And then as time went on, like the more I tried different things, taking photos of my friends, doing this, trying different things, uh, shooting at studios, like doing bits and pieces like that. I thought, Oh, hang on. I actually, like doing this is kind of interesting and a different way to do it and then also it just makes you a better rounded photographer like if you can do all these different things and 
you've got different ways that you can move and different jobs that you can do. For me, like where I live, you if you want to make money doing photography, which I don't really make any money at all doing photography, you have to be able to do all sorts of things because it's like there's not enough work in one genre. Like there's not that many straight up portrait photographers just doing straight up portraiture work or there's not that many product photographers just doing product work like you would get if you're in say London or New York or Tokyo or somewhere where there's like lots of products where I am it's quite a small population there's not that much going on so it makes it a lot harder to just be a specific one person I just shoot one thing I do the one thing only that's it so you kind of got to be really spread out and do lots of different genres of photography I mean, you, you mentioned sort of the locale of, 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 you know, I guess the restrictions of your, of your location. What's the, um, what's the benefits of shooting in Australia? Cause I'm assuming that you get some pretty damn good light and there's a lot of space. Yeah. It's, um, lots of good light, lots of space. Um, and then like a lot of untouched sort of landscapey things. Like for me, I can just drive in 15 minutes and I'm in like, lots of like long stretches of beaches where there's not anything going on. There's like, it's kind of like similar to that. Like if you look at photos from say the Pacific Northwest, well, they all look really wild and rugged and there's not many people there. You can drive not very far and find stuff like that really easily. And just, I think the light as well, like even in winter here, like it's winter at the moment and it's still light at like five thirty six o'clock. It's not that cold. You can do a shoot at the beach if you want to. It's not crazy or anything like that. So just that really temperate weather, just you can go anywhere all the time. There's lots of light. It's really good and easy to do that. The one thing I don't like though is in summer, during the day, the light is really harsh. It's like pretty crazy sometimes. And that does sort of affect the photos. You go, oh, like limits your window in the middle of the day. But you also don't want to be doing that because in the middle of summer, it's like 40 degrees and you don't want to be out taking photos in that heat. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, no, that sounds like my worst nightmare as an Englishman. Um, let, let's talk about YouTube because that's that's how I found you. What was it that pushed you to start a YouTube channel in the first place? I think it was just because like, I realized the only way to make money here for me like, and make a good living is to do all sorts of photography and a lot of stuff that I didn't really want to do. And I found myself um, just thinking like, oh, I've got no way that I can do like this as a living. Like I don't do photography as a living. I'm a landscaper and like I do all manual labor and stuff most of the week. And then I take photos on the side. And so for me, like I thought if I actually want to get out and be able to make photography my job and not end up hating it, I thought YouTube was a way to sort of actually be able to grow a community or try to get people interested in your work and be able to do fun sort of styles of photography and do that sort of stuff for a living rather than just going, yep, I have to be a wedding photographer if I want to make money with my camera or I'm going to have to be a tradesman and do labor all day throughout the week and take photos on the side on the weekend. So for me, it was just kind of a good opportunity to potentially grow my photography career in a way that I kind of liked. And then it's just, it's a fun way to do things. Like I'd take a lot of photos that don't end up on Instagram. And I thought, well, why am I taking all these photos? Like I really like them, but they're not going anywhere. Um, I'm not going to like, there was no intentions of 
making a book or a publication or anything or printing or trying to do that because no one was really interested in it. So I thought if I can put them on YouTube, maybe people enjoy the other stuff that's not just portraits like I post on Instagram. And yeah, like it's a good fun thing to do. So I just kind of jumped in and started doing it. And do you find that you're a different photographer on YouTube? Like when you're recording something that you know is going to end up on YouTube, do you feel like you tighten up a little bit in terms of, because obviously you're explaining yourself, I guess, and you're, um, you're aware that you're being watched. I know like from experience when I've taught, I certainly slightly modify the way that I, I am and I become a lot more regimented because I know that I'm being watched as opposed to normally where I'm honestly incredibly slapdash. Yeah, it's kind of like I've noticed a way or something that I'm trying to do is make videos now, especially when I do like if I try to do a camera review or something is try to be more scripted because some of my old videos, like my first videos that I made, I review cameras and I just talk a bunch of shit for a long time. And at the end of it, I go, (laughs) what was the point that I was trying to make? It was just like a, a really long tangent. Like I'll talk for days. I love to talk. So I try to cut myself down and just keep it more concise and informative and not just go on tangents. But then like the photos, it's really hard to try and go out and take photos and do a video. It's like, I'll see a photo and be like, Oh, I want to take that. But then if I got my friend filming for me, I'll have to go, Oh, I'm going to take a photo of this. Let's try to get a shot of me walking up to the scene and then take the photo and then we'll get a video of the scene. And it's like when I'm normally walking around taking photos, I'm just walking. I'm like, Oh, there's a shot. Click. There's a photo. Boom. Walk right. to the next spot. Okay. Here's a shot. Line it up. Take it. So it's hard logistically because you have to try and record what you're doing. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot harder to take photos when you're trying to think of two things rather than just taking photos. So it's a little bit different. Um, or my style is a little bit different when I do that, but it still kind of works. Do you feel like it's important to be transparent with something like YouTube? Because you're obviously, um, you know, you're, I guess in a sense you are teaching and it's, you know, I see a lot of, there are certainly a lot of YouTube photography personalities that are certainly only showing the absolute best of the best and pretending that that's a regular thing. Yeah. I think it's important to sort of just, a lot of people, yeah, they'll just take heaps of rolls of film and they'll burn through five or six rolls of film and put up, you know, a few photos from each roll and it looks all good. Um, I like to put a lot of photos out. Like if something's complete garbage or just doesn't look very good, I'll be like, oh, okay, there's no point in putting that in there because it's just like terrible. But I do think that that's something that I want to get better at, especially with talking and just like personal feelings and just being really transparent and sort of, I don't know how to put it. Like when you see people be like their own self and they're not trying to change or do things to please everyone, it kind of comes across as a lot better content and people engage with it a lot more. So like um, there's a guy, Eduardo, I can't remember his last name, but he has a decent sized channel and he does the, he used to do this like um, one roll photography and he'd go out and he'd take a photo or he'd show every photo that he took with a roll and just record it all sort of with a GoPro or with a camera or something. And I really like watching that. It was interesting to see the way he'd try to frame up things or, you know, do or the way he'd shoot multiple scenes in different ways. And he was a really good street photographer as well. So the way he'd take street photos, but I mean, it's good to do that. But then sometimes people get really bored really quickly. And if they see the same photos over and over again, like if you're trying to do similar style photos all in one shoot, 
he can get kind of stale pretty quick. So it's kind of a tough blend to make engaging, interesting content and also be super um, transparent and showing everything that you're doing. Yeah, it's a weird balance, right? Because you want to develop a style and you want to give people a consistent idea of what you're about, but you also don't want to repeat yourself. So it's like, when do you know you've hit the point that you're repeating yourself as opposed to establishing yourself? Mm, Yeah, exactly. It's like, even when you watch content yourself, you're like, oh, I like knowing how the content's made, I watch it and I go, oh, this is kind of boring. Like I get sick of stuff, even though I know how hard it is to make and what to do. So it's like one of those things where it's, it's so hard to make get that perfect balance of showing mediocre shots and showing what actually happens and then being compelling and actually making an informative and interesting video that people like. So, yeah. If I could ask you a bit of a broad question, obviously self-analysis is very difficult, but what would you say is your biggest weakness as a photographer? Um, oh, I think... like I, I know I said like I, shooting film makes me think more about a shot when I take it, but I still think that I don't take enough time with a lot of shots. Like I've been working on a little project that I've been doing um, around where I live and I got a lot of the photos back and I realized that I just didn't get things perfectly parallel. And it's kind of annoying me a little bit, but I'm also like, oh, it's not the end of the world, but I'm looking at it and going, I just had to take that extra two seconds to line things up and just made things a bit more parallel or technically nice, it would have just been just that slight bit nicer. So I think I don't think enough about a lot of shots. And as I said before, I don't really think about compositions and like what composition rules to use when I take photos. So for me, it's like, if I could get that as well, like get that a bit better, then maybe I'd have a few more photos, which are just a little bit nicer compositionally and they work out well. And because a lot of the stuff I take isn't, the fastest moving it's not street photography it's not like you have to get the shot right then and there so i think i just need to take a little bit more time to make sure i've got everything a bit bit more perfect and or a bit more precise um and that might make me a bit better or the other thing is i just shoot a lot of vertical photos because i'm so used to instagram like the longest time all i did was post on instagram so I have a lot of vertical compositions and my eyes are really trained for vertical compositions now so i'm always looking for them because I know it looks a little nicer on Instagram and that's a bad habit that I've got to sort of break. And in terms of, I think, I don't know about for Australians, but for for English people, the worst nightmare imaginable is someone asking you to compliment yourself. But what do you think your, your biggest strength is as a photographer? Oh, um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Um, maybe just that I'm not afraid to experiment and try different things and, you know, with portraits, just telling people, let's try this, let's do that. Like, I think a lot of people are worried that they'll get bad shots. And I don't think you should be worried about getting a bad shot if one of those weird shots that, like, you're trying could potentially be a good shot. So I think that's a strength is I'm not worried about if I'm going to get a bunch of bad shots. I'll go, oh, well, you know, I learned something cool. Let's go. It's, it doesn't bother me. So I think maybe, yeah, maybe that. I don't know. I'm not particularly fond of a lot of my work so i see it and i go oh yeah it's a photo but it never really blows my mind so yeah i don't know it's hard right i'm not a big fan of selling myself and and 
you know, I don't, I'm not good at talking about any strengths that I have. So I always feel like that's a harder question than weaknesses. There's been times I've asked people what their weaknesses are and they've told me like 25 things. So yeah, it's, it's always easier to be sort of self-critical than it is to be uh, self-praising, I guess. In terms of like, I feel like we're in a very cliche sort of gimmicky world with photography. I think Instagram's given birth to a lot of weird and in a lot of cases, crappy photo cliches. Um, are there any that you're particularly not a fan of in terms of like gimmicks or or sort of things you constantly see crop up on Instagram with photography? Yeah, um, I think sort of the, you know, like the classic Sony photography, like the smoke bombs and the, the water <laughs> splashes and the weird like... Just the the stuff that you see when you first look at a camera, you go, whoa, and then you it really sort of, you're like, when you've never taken a photo before, you're like, that's cool. But then once you see actual photography, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of trash. Um, or the other thing is the um, the frame, the film look, but like the really bad film look. I, I know for a long time, a lot of people were just adding heaps of dust to their photos. And that drove yes. me insane because it was like, no one's trying to get a dusty film photo they're trying to get really clean photos and sometimes there's dust on there and it's just this abundance of dust or the frame borders and it's a black and white photo and it's got portrait or it's a color photo and it's got triax <laughs> and you're like okay you could have at least tried but yeah you know those ones are really annoying but i think also there's those gimmicky photos uh probably the worst because a lot of people sort of see that and that's kind of really popular, especially with a lot of people that just shoot digital and you see that kind of smoke bomb or the mask and you go, they, you know, that to me just does nothing. That that annoys me that, so. It's kind of strange, right? Because it feels like, you know, film photography, the community seems to be a lot nicer from my brief experience compared to the digital community. And the digital community is very competitive in the sense of there's a lot of brand allegiance and there's a lot of people that are um, constantly sort of citing statistics and features about cameras. And if a camera can't do something that literally two weeks ago they'd never heard of, all of a sudden it's a completely trash camera. It's kind of weird to see that the last sort of five or six years has been a lot of digital ways or a lot of ways for digital photographers to make their photos look more like they were shot on film. You just think, why don't you just shoot on film? Yeah. It's like, it's not that hard. I think people get a bit intimidated by it and it's like, it's really easy to make a good photo. It's just get a camera. If you understand basic exposure, put it in, put your color film in, take it to a cheap lab. It'll be a pretty decent photo. So it's like, even uh, disposables, I had friends that were using disposables all the time um, for a long period. They were really popular over here um, for people sort of you know, 18 to 21 or something like that, going to parties and taking a lot of photos with disposables, but then would never want to then spend like, you know $50 or $100 and get a camera rather than they'd rather spend the $30 10 times and you know get the disposables all the time. So I don't know. It's just like, it's not that hard. I think it's intimidating to some people because they don't know what's going on. They can't see what's going on and it does cost money. But I think that's one of the good things about nowadays with the YouTube um, film community coming so big and prominent is a lot more people are trying. I see a lot of Facebook groups and stuff there looking for cheapish cameras and trying to do stuff. Only problem is now all the cameras and film cameras are so expensive. So, yeah. 
that's a side effect right of it becoming popular is that the the prices jump through the roof i remember talking to um jason from grainy days about the contacts t2 and and the fact that the second that one of the jenners showed it on jimmy uh jimmy fallon all of a sudden the price went up like tenfold and we're probably going to see a lot of that because it's becoming more and more like fashionable so more and more celebrities will use stuff which means you know it'll become it'll become more expensive just by association yeah it's ridiculous i remember i'm kicking myself because i remember when i first started shooting film i was sitting there going 400 australian dollars for a contacts t2 that's ridiculous i'm not gonna spend that much money on point and shoot and now they're about you know 1200 to 1500 australian it's like damn why did i not <laughs> take that opportunity just i'm never going to be able to shoot with that camera or experience it or try it let alone the fact that it's worth so much it's like such a pain or like the leica like the m6 used to be like a thousand dollars now it's like three and a half thousand dollars it's like cool that's not going to happen. It's like a car price. I think every photographer has some kind of horror story about gear that they could have got for cheap, but it wasn't like cheap, cheap. So they left it and then the prices have skyrocketed. I remember being in in Sussex in the south of England and there was a really, I don't want to be mean, but a really shit independent camera shop. And in the window, they had a Hasselblad X-Pan and it was about 950 quid. And I just didn't have it on me, but I really wanted the camera. And I was like, I could stretch, like I could, you know, move some money, but I don't want to, you know, it's not responsible, blah, blah, blah. And now they're over here. They're now at like three and a half thousand. And it just bums me out every time I think about it, because that's like an absolute dream camera for me. And I could have had it for so much cheaper than it's going now. Yeah, I know. It happens all the time. I'm like, I see so many things from back in the time. I'm just like, why? Why, Lewis? Why didn't you do it? And like, <laughs> I got a right deal the other day with a with my Mimia Six, but like, that's the closest I've got to a good sort of really expensive camera for like a good price. Or well, it was still relatively expensive, but yeah, it's just like so many little missed opportunities. Or you see people going through like thrift stores in America picking up like all these really ridiculous cameras, and you're like, oh, I've never seen a camera like at all. Basically, at an op shop or a thrift shop here, it's like, I want that. <laughs> I need that. I mean, you've got a foot in both camps in the sense that you've also shot or you also shoot digital. What do you think about the fact that it's something that I'm noticing is quite sort of quite funny about digital versus film in the sense that everyone that's shooting digital is trying to get up to the point that they're shooting full frame. But full frame in a film sense is kind of a bit of a meh sort of frame size. Everyone's pushing towards medium or large format. Yeah, it's it's a bit interesting because it's like now I look at 35 millimeter, I'm like, oh, I don't think of the work that I do on 35 millimeter as being potentially as good or good for prints or other stuff, just because I've done a few prints with medium format stuff. And I'm like, Oh, these are like ridiculously nice. And then when I've done a similar print with 35, it hasn't been anywhere near as good. And, um, I think just the look that you get with them, like a six by seven negative with like, or even six by six with the lens at 2.8, the separation and the feel and the way it looks is like, it's something else. Like, you look at it and you go, oh, okay, yeah, this is like crazy. So it is kind of weird as well. Like with that, the digital, everyone's like, oh, full frame, full frame. And then you look at it and then even with film, some of the people go like half frame and it's almost like a more fun, interesting camera for like the little uh, Olympus Pen FTs, like the half frame cameras. And it's like, it's half. And when you think about going to APS-C, you're like, oh, like APS-C, <laughs> like full frames where it's at. Like, Yeah. I, again, I have to say thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, I'll, I'll try and wrap up so that you can get on with your evening. Let me ask you this. Are you someone that plans what you want to be 
doing with photography, say in two years time or five years time, or are you moving from sort of shoot to shoot? I know at the moment we're in kind of unprecedented times in the sense of it's hard to plan what you're going to have for breakfast the next day, but are you someone that's quite planned out ahead of time or are you just kind of going with where it takes you? I'm kind of more into just going where it takes me because it's like, I've done times where I've been doing a lot of event photography, like around like Christmas, New Year, and I'll work like heaps for three or four weeks taking photos. And I'm just like, I hate this. Like, I don't want to pick up a camera. I don't want to do it. Like for me, I think the things that I want to try and work towards are more like not necessarily photography work goals, but photography like personal goals. Like I'm working on making a zine at the moment. And then once I've done that, that's like a one thing that I want to do. Then I want to go, okay, now I want to work on making some print worthy stuff and doing prints. And then I want to come back and look at doing more maybe zines or books or trying to build a, a sort of more interesting body of work that I can put together and, you know, make a bit more whole. Cause at the moment, like a lot of the stuff I do, I think with portraiture, unless you're shooting really interesting subjects or sort of famous subjects, it's really hard to make a full body of work like for a book or a zine or something to be viewed as a whole with portraiture. It's more individual photos. Whereas I like the idea of working towards a big project or a big um, thing or something where I can just sink my teeth into it for six months or a year or something like that. So I think that sort of direction would be something I'm more interested in working on as time goes on. But in terms of work and other stuff like that, it's like, oh, if I can book some weddings and make some money, I can buy more cameras, that'd be cool. But nothing's like sticking out. I'm not going, oh, I want to be the number one uh, wedding photographer in my area or anything like that. So, yeah. How do you find shooting weddings? Because obviously you said it's not like maybe what you'd want to be doing, you know, if you, if you had infinite resources, I guess. But how do you find it actually shooting weddings? Do you find it a fun challenge or do you just find it stressful? Um, I've only, uh, in my career, I don't really shoot many weddings. It's more like parties and stuff. I've done um, a couple. But for me, it's like, I think a wedding is more enjoyable for me than a party. Because when I, a lot of 18th or 21st or like nights like that, you take the photos and over here, it's like party hard. It's like, I've gone to so many parties where it's like the, the host or the person whose birthday it is, is just like passed out in the backyard somewhere halfway through the night. And then I'm just like, cool. No one really cares what I'm doing. Like they don't give a shit about the photos. They just want to put them on Instagram on Monday or Tuesday after the weekend. So like the thing I like about weddings or when you do it, they're a bit stressful, but people actually enjoy the photos and they want good photos. And like, it's something that they'll have with them for a long time. So like weddings and stuff, I think for me, I like the idea of doing more weddings and more stuff like that because it is important work that will stay with someone for a long time. Whereas a lot of other events, it's just like, Oh yeah, cool. You got the photos. Cool. It's good for promoting the next event or doing the next thing or, you know, doing whatever and yada, 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 stuff like that. So I guess the last question I want to ask you is, um, about, you know, I mean, it feels like you've been doing this for, for such a short amount of time, considering how much you've done and, and the standard of your work. It's almost, I want to be a little bit bitter towards you, but I won't be. How do you, uh, you know, if you could go back and talk to yourself at the start of your, other than telling yourself to buy that contacts T2, um, if you could go mm. back and talk to yourself, um, at the beginning of your sort of photographic journey, what advice would you give yourself? Maybe just to look at more important like works by the greats and like buy photo books and try to learn from that. Like recently, like 
learning everything through YouTube and stuff. I've been watching videos that people talk about photo books and picking all that sort of stuff up. And I have recently picked up a bunch of books and just looking at them, it's like, oh, okay, this is photography. Like when I was going to Japan and taking my camera, I was just taking photos of cars and random things around and a lot of boring stuff and editing really crap and doing all these like terrible things after I've been taking photos for a couple of years. And I thought, I wish I had been told to look at good work or had a good way to find books that would influence me or like a resource. Like if you went to university or something and you studied photography, you'd have a teacher showing you this person and this and like, here's another book, read this, try this. And I feel like that, like people that do that get a leg up in terms of photography work and actually sort of work that means a lot. Whereas if you just learn how to use a camera, it's like, once you learn how to do manual settings and take photos and what aperture does and everything like that, you can kind of get away with doing work stuff, but actually looking at work that's important and has sort of influenced a lot of people and done everything like that is probably more important. So I wish I was able to go back and just tell myself, Hey, buy some books, look at all this stuff, learn from the greats and look at what good photography work is rather than just rather than just looking at Instagram cliches and other stuff like that, which even I did when I started off, it's like you get a camera, you get an F1.8 50 mil lens and you just go shoot everything wide open and just take a bunch of photos and do like random stuff. And I wasted just a lot of good photographic opportunities by not having looked at good work and stuff like that. Did that make sense? I think. Yeah. I mean, are you you sort of saying that there's a difference between a photograph and a picture in a sense? Yeah, like I did a lot of just snapshot photography. Just like, oh, here's something that I like. Kaching, take a photo. Didn't think about it. Didn't really do anything or try. And then it's like, now I look at it and I'm like, I wish I was there with a different camera so I wouldn't have shot it at f1.8 because I had an f1.8. I wish I'd have stopped it down or actually thought about the composition. I just spent a long time doing, you know, things that looked nice on your phone when you looked at it quickly swiping through rather than things that actually mean something or could be printed or used as a good photograph i guess okay i mean i i I think that's that's really solid advice i'm thinking back to all the times i've been to like new york or san francisco and uh, all of las vegas i've been to a few times and i've come away really disappointed with the photos i've had and i think you're right there is a huge difference between like actually thinking about it and analyzing you know the scene and, and bringing in that knowledge of having seen great photos as opposed to just pointing your camera at a thing that you find interesting and just clicking the shutter there's definitely a big difference there the most important thing we do with the podcast um, and the reason that i do this entirely is because i want as many people as possible to find your work so where can they go to find your photos what's your instagram and also your youtube channel please link away yeah, so um, YouTube's just Lewis Williamson, um, L-E-W-I-S for Lewis, and then Williamson's pretty simple. And then um, Instagram is loser underscore Lewis. And yeah, those are the two main spots. The website's uh, linked to the Instagram, but that's pretty much just there in case um, someone actually wants me to do work or something for them, but it doesn't really get used that often or not really that updated. Um, but yeah, so YouTube, I'm trying to do a lot more stuff there. Um, and then yeah, Instagram's just few uploads a week so yeah 
Well, I feel like YouTube's become very stagnant in the sense that it seems to be the same five or six people that everyone watches and everyone has the same format, the same music, the same everything for their YouTube. So you were a, an absolute breath of fresh air. And for people that like portraits and for people that like film, I would absolutely recommend that they find your YouTube channel because it'll be really exciting for them. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really do appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, those was such kind words. Thank you. Thank you.